CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. It's raining, it's pouring, and nobody's scoring. Because the game is cancelled, according to the CFL's bizarre new weather policy, which, oh boy, are we going to talk a lot about that. The first ever weather-shortened game in the new age of the CFL the Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat the Montreal Alouettes, needing only, not even three full quarters to do so, leading some people on Reddit, as I've seen, to claim the Riders are the greatest team in CFL history. Oh, didn't even need a full game to win. But we'll talk all things weather-related and Riders and everything else around the CFL this week on the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Does that mean we did the end the podcast at 37 minutes in? I don't know. It depends on the weather. <laughs> it is currently raining outside. It's raining outside. And I'm pretty sure I heard some thunder before. Maybe the thunder was just my car pulling out. Maybe, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, no delay on the start of this podcast, though. We're coming at you right away. Let's go. Let's get into the hot topic. Right now already, because I, I just can't wait any longer to talk about this. CFL for 2019 as part of the collective bargaining agreement introduces a weather rule uh, about how they're going to deal with weather delays. And let's be real, we all know this is thanks to the long live the night bowl that happened here in Winnipeg at the start of last season. That's, that is what prompted the CFL's new rules. And I'll try to pull up the exact rules here, but essentially... As far as I believe it is, if a game gets delayed by weather in the first half of the game, you wait three hours and then you resume play. If you, if it's after the midway point of the third quarter, which this game was, they call it there and whoever's ahead wins. People around the league are outraged, to say the least. I am one of them. Where do you stand? Um... First off, there would be a lot more angry people if the score was reversed. Can you imagine the outcry? I would hear melon heads to the west of us being smashed into a garbage can. About a 17-10 Montreal rain shortened win and how the riders got ripped off. Okay, but to be fair, but, that's... But that would be the story. And now we have the story to the east and... Unfortunately, by the sounds of it, all the presidents signed off on it. But whose idea was it to wait an hour? Especially when they have the one, uh, where they have the one, uh, lightning strike and then you have to wait 15 to 20 minutes. Well, okay. You really only have a, a storm, uh, you really only allow a storm about 40 minutes to pass, realistically. And last I checked on the period especially, it's very unlikely that a storm passes in 40 minutes. So, to me, I'm just, I'm left wondering, 
why is the end of the game so much different than the beginning of the game? And can't we just get a consistent roll across the board? And the B part to this, why was nobody alerted of this until it happened on Friday? Fun fact, I'm looking at cfl.ca slash weather where they have the weather protocol. And I'm pretty sure they've amended this website since this game between the Riders and the Alouettes because there's now a common questions section on the website. Oh, dear me. And, um, well, first question, where did this protocol come from? It explains it's part of the CBA. Next question, but why would the commissioner cancel the game after an hour? To which the answer is he didn't. The game was canceled in accordance with the protocol. The game in Montreal which had been played until late in the third quarter and had endured a weather delay of an hour, met the criteria. So in the last couple of days on top of releasing in a statement, the CFL has now added frequently asked questions to their weather policy because <laughs> oh undoubtedly they've heard nonstop about this for the past couple of days, and rightfully so because I, I, I just think this was absurd. Okay, can I put you this way? How is it different than baseball? And I'm not trying to play devil advocate like I disagree with, like I agree with what went on. But in baseball, five innings, somebody's winning, it starts raining, they wait a bit, and then you have a winner. So it, it, it's not really different, but I guess maybe we just need to get used to it, but this is the new way of doing football. Other questions on here, uh, but why just an hour? But I think an hour is too short a time. Why not wait 90 minutes or two hours? Why not finish the game the next morning? But what about playoffs and Grey Cup? Could the same thing that happened in Montreal happen in one of those games? What's the answer to that? The answer to that one is no. Given the importance of those games, they would be completed the next day. Apparently, regular season games are not important enough to warrant such an experience. Oh, come on. You have two divisional races that rely on that game. Next question, isn't that inconsistent? <laughs> Next Very question. inconsistent. But why bring in this protocol now? For years there have been delays and we all just waited it out. How big a problem are electrical storms? And But we never had this problem before. I remember sitting through rain games to the end of 60 minutes. I mean, yeah, this is unprecedented. But I'm, I'm telling you this, this is not the last time we're seeing a game like this. I don't even know if it's the last time we'll see a game like this. Maybe this year? Because we're already at the end of summer, getting there. Close. I, I think there'll be one. I, I think if you look at the historical patterns, there'll be one or two more weather delays by the end of the season. Yeah, and, and I think you were just talking about it there already. The rule is every time there's a lightning strike, you have to wait 15 minutes before the players can go back out on the field. Okay, you have an hour from the moment they leave the field that the game has to resume. Now you're giving it 45 minutes for lightning to go away. Now, I'm no meteorologist, but I'm pretty sure I can count many lightning storms that don't end in 45 minutes. Well, here's the thing, though. They also have to wait till, till the lightning is a certain distance away from the stadium before they can even bring the players out. Never mind never mind the lightning stopping. It's one thing for the lightning to stop, but if it's three kilometers away, you're not going back on the field. I've, I painted that street eight kilometers. Uh, might might even be on there, but it may have been between eight, eight and ten kilometers. Now let's let's be real here. Uh, 
Granted, okay, seven-point game, 17-10, the Riders are leading at this point. The way they were playing, Montreal's offense was struggling, Riders' defense was playing really well. I feel like if this game went the full four quarters, Saskatchewan was probably still going to win this one. But we don't know, and we You don't know, but you you took away the most exciting part of the game. And we never will know how this game would have ended. I would imagine, based on the way things were going, Saskatchewan was going to come out on top. But this was a defensive slugfest. No offensive touchdowns scored in this right. one. Uh, defensive touchdowns, I believe, from, well, uh, Montreal had the, the kick return from Shakir Ryan, which we'll talk a little bit more about kick returns in a second, my goodness. Uh, but to me, the, it's just the, the way they have the rules defined right now, like seven minutes and 31 seconds left in the third quarter, and they blow this whistle, you're waiting three hours. Like, it's a one-second difference between waiting three hours and waiting an hour. And from what we've been told, the weather let up 20 minutes after this ended, after they called the game. So if I'm a fan that went to the game, I'm pissed off because I didn't get my full viewing experience. If I'm playing (laughs) CFL Fantasy, which I am, but I didn't really have too many guys Um, in this game. Hello? Half your team is the Riders' offense. I'm being frustrated. If I'm somebody who likes to, you know, play the betting odds, I'm upset. Granted, right. from what I've learned, they 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 waive the they waive the bets uh, on games that are shortened. Um, but still, nobody's happy with how this resulted. So the question is to you: mm-hmm. How do you fix it? I think to me, there's a simple fix to this, and you bump it to two hours. Is that even enough? It should be. I mean, again, are you going to wait three hours for a game that's just about that? Like, like, that's the argument that they're making. Like, we gave the team that adequate amount of time to figure it out. We're late in the third quarter. It's, a lot can happen in court of a football game, too. <laughs> I think we were just in a day and age where the CFL, and I've had a couple days to paint the ball, so I've kind of come around on it a little bit. We're in a day and age where football or safety of athletes has never been put of any more paramount of importance. So maybe this is the new coming of age. I mean, you, you look, and I know uh, I was listening to one of the shows today, not, not on the podcast network, but elsewhere that covers the CFL. And they were saying, well, what's the NFL ruling? And in every weather-related situation, it's at the commissioner at the commissioner's discretion. In every one of those, every one of those uh, weather-related uh, protocols in the NFL. So I don't know. Are we just moving to a day and age where you know we're ahead of the curb here, and three-hour plus weather delays aren't are a thing of the past, or? Like, to me, the thing that annoys me is how you get that discretionary thing that you said. Like, it's a difference of two seconds between waiting an extra two hours or not. It's ridiculous. So maybe maybe in the offseason you look at, you know, splitting the difference and say 90 minutes, or or you say at one hour, you keep it at one hour, at the discretion of the team's, given the situation at one hour or two hours or two and a half, whatever you decide. 
but it seemed to me like one hour was the, nope, we're done, regardless what the forecast shows. Now, we'll get the Riders fan perspective on this topic uh, from our fellow uh, CF Pod Network member, Steve, from the Piffles Podcast. I just had a chat with him uh, just about an hour before we started recording this, so we'll have that interview a little closer to the middle of the podcast here, but uh, to get his take on the weather delay and everything for the Riders so far going into their bye week. But, you know, just to sum up this weather topic here, like... There, I don't know. I don't think there is a right answer because how can you plan for something perfectly that no, none of us have any control over, right? Like, right. like none of us have control over the weather. If we did, we'd, we'd, we'd be. I don't know what we'd be. We'd be something fantastic, right? If we could just control the weather and make it perfect weather for every game. I mean, I think I said this to you, or if not, it was somebody else, but. We've had an unprecedented amount of weather delays, smoke delays, you name it. I think the writers, the writers in particular, I think have been involved in three. Uh, this one, the, the one on Canada Day for sure. And then they had their preseason game move 45 minutes due to wildfire smoke right. in Alberta. So I, I, I will say this. I, I think the best solution thus far that I, I've heard to to the problem is one that uh, our friend Brian from the BC Lions Den podcast brought up on Twitter, which was something along the lines of, okay, that's fine if you want to go and do this one hour, okay, we're leaving the field one hour from now, we're going to go and make a decision here. But not necessarily go and absolutely cancel it in an hour. No, check back in in an hour. Have the league go and make a decision based on what the current weather forecast is. Oh, is it clearing up? Okay, then we're gonna wait a little longer here. Like, like, why can't that be the decision? Why can't? Why, why does there need to absolutely have this hard set sixty minutes in place? And, and I agree with what Brian suggested, which, which is, you know, okay, wait an hour and then make a decision based on the weather at that point. Because every situation is absolutely gonna be different. And I I don't agree with the way the CFL is handling this at all right now. But, well, it remains to be seen if they'll change it and if we'll get other games like this that do uh, end before the full 60 minutes have been played. Mike, let's move on a little bit and talk about one of our other topics here. Uh, We teased it up a little bit, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the year of the kick return in the CFL is continuing yet again. My goodness, the special teams units are on fire this year. Uh, can you believe how many return touchdowns we've seen? Kind of, but kind of not. I mean, who doesn't have an electrifying kick returner at this point? And, and we listed them all off on the podcast last week, but that's just another guy steps up yet again. Like, okay, the Bombers had Charles Nelson, who was doing pretty good. He goes down to injury. Bucky Whitehead had a beautiful kick return earlier this year, but he's primarily used on offense, so they don't want him running all day long uh, on the kick returns, although I'm sure he wouldn't mind. New guy this week, Jernarian Grant starts. First career CFL game. Takes two punt return touchdowns back. Gives the Bombers 14 points on the board, which were crucial enough to go and win this game over the Stampeders. Uh, you had Frankie Williams, I believe, with the return touchdown this week. You had Shakir Ryan with the return touchdown this week. 
Uh, am I missing any others? Uh, you had... Besides Grant, Williams, and Ryan? I think those were the only ones... Well, this Williams week. almost had a certain one. Which, it's just funny that I'm saying those are the only ones this week. That's four kick return touchdowns. In one week. I, I don't know what the stat is now because another one was added with that Frankie Williams one, but uh, I believe as of the second or third game of this week, we were on pace for 42 kick return touchdowns in 2019 when the record in 1990, set in 1995 was 24. Like, we already, through nine weeks, have more kick return touchdowns than we had in any of the last five years. Why? Why are we seeing so many return touchdowns? Everybody has an electrifying returner, but I don't want to say they're relaxing the illegal contact on, you know, penalty kits, or not penalty kits, pinching soccer here, but punt returns and, and kit returns. Uh, you know, and I think we're getting into that day and age where the returners are smarter than ever before and they know what they're seeing and they got this, this tunnel vision to, I had the biggest in it. They're fast. Oh, yeah. It's a burst of speed. I mean, I mean, you put a burst of speed up against the lineman. It's like a matchup with the wide receiver on a lineman, you know, offense versus defense. You know, it's a mismatch, especially if you get the corner. But I, I, I'd be curious to figure out just to see if they're relaxing on the holding a little contact. You know, because I think we've had three, maybe four. Taken away by by a holding or a legal block on top of the ones that have yeah and, and Janarian Grant actually just about had a third one last week were it not for a a shoestring tackle by one of the Stampeders uh, so to me it just it made every game exciting and that's why you know I think people are so up in arms about you know the suspension for the Montreal Saskatchewan game because I mean. Shakir Ryan could, in fury, turn that game around and tie the game with one big run back, and, you know, you got a football game. I mean, look at the Bombers. The Bombers won a two-point game thanks to two kick returns, single-handedly with a big part in winning the game. And now I think there is more emphasis lead-wide on special teams, and special teams coaches are having... Absolute nightmares. Um, absolute nightmares, uh, trying to figure out how to defend these players that are just basically faster than we've ever seen them. If somebody who's in charge of CFL on TSN Fantasy is listening to this podcast, 2020 CFL Fantasy, I want to see a returner spot, uh, where you have to fill on the roster. Because these guys are exciting week in and week out. And frankly, there is no returner spot right now, but you do get points for return yards in any of your running back or wide receiver position. I'm considering putting a return guy in every week because there's a there's a chance he's getting a touchdown every single game, right? The way these guys are going. Can we just talk about how Grant and Whitehead are basically the same person? Pretty much. Like... They were remarking on the TSM broadcast how, how similar they were, you know, when they both went back. It's just funny because, you know, I was making my lineup for fantasy football this week, and I was, I'm not going to lie, like an hour before kickoff, I was, like, 
somewhat considering putting Shakir Ryan in my lineup just because I was mm-hmm. like, like it's the year of the return. He's going to bring one back. And then I wasn't watching the game, and you text me that he has a 110-yard return. It was like, dang it. Should have done it. Here's, an, here's another interesting thing. I don't know if you've heard of anything uh, in the last little while, but I hate to bring this up. Um, on air without chatting, maybe you have an answer. Uh, Devontae Devman? Is he there, okay? Uh, he did limp off, not putting much weight on his foot at the end of the game, uh, on. And Friday. that was a really bad, well, not a really bad play call. They did play call, but he just got himself in the wrong place at the wrong time, so. Yeah, so. You know, we, no. talk, we talked about clear returners. There's one right there where. You know, an, an injury might derail, uh, might derail uh, a certain returner from uh, playing football. Yeah, I don't think I have an update here yet for us on Devontae Deadman quite yet. It is early in the week as we record yeah. this on Monday, so I'm sure we'll find out more. Now, um, Ottawa doesn't play till s- Saturday, right? So any update would likely come tomorrow. Another thing I want to talk about on this episode of the podcast is running back usage. Um, This is something that was very noticeable in Winnipeg's win over Calgary this week uh, with, I mean, Andrew Harris getting the ball over and over and over again. Like, Matt Nichols threw for, what, 178 yards, and eight of his passes were one-yard checkdowns to Andrew Harris, if that, and then let Harris run for the ball, and Harris puts up 40-something yards. He put up a bunch more on the ground. We saw Edmonton's win really come at the hands of C.J. Gable here. Like, one of the things, you, Mike, arguably your favorite saying on the podcast is running backs are a dime a dozen. But are we sleeping on the fact of just how important it is to have a dominant running back you can rely on in game in and game out? Well, first off, they're more often than not lined up behind the quarterback. Um, let's establish that. So they're not block per se like like a wide receiver would be coming up at a line so you know you get a three yard play if you have a sufficient dump when there's nothing there like if you have a a flip pass or a hitch pass or whatever to a running back you know you get a three or four yard play but to me the value of running backs has never been uh greater because you know, Calgary lost Romar Morris. Oh, my goodness. That's devastating. Uh, like, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But they put their third string running back in. And on a couple of the plays, he seemed to struggle uh, picking up the blue bobber pass rush and that enabled a couple sacks. So as much as the running backs are good for, you know, catching passes out of the backfield, they're also good at eliminating shots, reading a blitz. Because oftentimes it's it's the quarterback's last line of defense, you know, on a blitz is dependent on that running back's ability to angle uh, said blitzer away for a split second. Uh, see one of the quarterbacks was being rushed. I don't know who it was and threw a deep pass for a touchdown this week as a result of a blitz that was picked up by his running back. So, I know they're a dime a dozen, but to me, they don't get enough credit for what they do, and it's more than just catching the ball. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen an offense go from explosive in the first half to 
where did it go in the second half because they stopped using their running back and you know Calgary didn't run much in this game uh, against the Bombers like you said due to Romar Morris injury was a large part of it and just just for one quick second like it hurt to see that injury to Romar Morris this is a guy that in the great cup last year injured his Achilles made a miraculous comeback just eight months later and was back out on the field and in his second game back, tears the other Achilles. Are you kidding me? Like, first of all, what are even the odds of that? Second of all, like, this is a very talented guy. I have no doubt, just based on how well his recovery went this time, that he is going to fight, and we will see Romar Morris back out there on the football field. Uh, not this year, obviously, but hopefully next year. But I just feel bad for the guy. And Romar, we wish you... If you are, for whatever reason, listening, first of all, thank you. And second of all, uh, we wish you the best recovery. Uh, one of the good players out there that uh, you hate to see this happen to. And to me, the what 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 gets me about a lot of that is it's not a um, malicious injury by any means at all. Like it's not like he got shoved over or pushed or pulled or stepped on or anything like that. Like most of these injuries like Mazzoli, Romar Morris, among others are non contact injuries. What quite frankly look like nothing more than a twisted ankle right. or a twisted knee. And you know, that was my initial reaction with Mazzoli. Oh, just a twisted ankle, twisted knee, you know, he'll be back. But we're seeing more and more of these like severe long term injuries as a result of non contact. And I think it speaks to training regimen, the amount of force that are put on these muscles and tension and you know, it's so tight that even the slightest bit of movement, the wrong weight and just cause the muscle to give way and and now you got a nine month to twelve month Period. And I mean, just to pull out the hockey, I mean, tell me lost one of the top defensemen today, and you see now a Matthew that basically the same type of injury, and it wasn't attending, but it was an ACL training, and he didn't miss six to nine months. So brutal, right? It, it sucks to see. It, it, it's all over like this in sports, and I, I don't know if there's a way to, to curb that injury. Just to wrap up the running back talk, uh, and then we'll get into our interview here with, uh, with Steve from the Piffles podcast. Um, no greater example of what I was talking about with running back play than I think the Edmonton-Ottawa game because Edmonton gave the ball to C.J. Gable all game long and Gable just ran all over the Red Blacks, especially in the second half when they needed him to. Ottawa, John Crockett was explosive in the first half and Ottawa's offense was actually looking pretty good. I can't believe I just said it, but Ottawa's offense was looking good in that first half and then they just didn't give the ball to Crockett in the second half. They went, I think, almost a quarter without even getting a first down in the second half. And while they got close at the end of the football game and had a chance to punch it in, and uh, on none of those plays did they give it to the guy that was their biggest asset on offense the entire first half of the game. Yeah, it's just such a funny... What about Ottawa, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, just want me to try that, right? Um, I'm not too sure what, what to make of that as a whole. I mean, coaches in general outthink themselves an awful lot. 
Well, I, yeah, it, it's just a night and day difference. Like most oftentimes, I think if you look at the final results of a game, the team that came out on top is the team that utilized their running game properly. And I'll leave it at that, and we'll get into. I mean, that. I mean, look at the bomber loss to Toronto. Andrew Harris found the ball what three times in the second half. Exactly. So, I I don't know what gets in the coach's mind, but they often overthink themselves. Newsflash, CFL coaches, you have running backs on your team. Use them. Use them. With that, we'll get into our interview for this week uh, with uh, Steve from the Pipples Podcast to talk all things uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. From our prairie neighbors to the west from the Piffles Podcast, I am pleased to be joined now by our guest for this episode of the podcast. It's Steve from the Piffles Podcast. How's it going, man? Hey, not too shabby. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, well... Convenient given what we're about to talk about here uh, as we're going to talk all things riders. I kid you not, uh, on my way into the studio, it was raining and I'm pretty sure I just heard some thunder, but no lightning quite yet to uh, cancel this interview short, so we'll keep going as long as we can. Uh, Just the Jesus sprinkles, no lightning? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Um, Let's just get right into that, because that's the big topic surrounding the Riders as they head into their bye week this week, is the shortened game, uh, which they did win over the Montreal Alouettes due to the CFL's new weather protocol. We know fans around the CFL are outraged by it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know where you stand on it as well, but uh, give us your perspective. Give us the Rider fan perspective on uh, the the weather delay that uh, they end up winning the game only in the third quarter I mean I'll take the two points they're they're hard to come by especially for Saskatchewan and Montreal but I don't feel good about it I've seen fans gloating about it and being all pumped I couldn't like the, the, the when they announced that game was over usually when my team wins there there's a cheer there's some excitement I'm I'm happy I just felt let down I'm I'm not a fan of the of the current policy. I mean, I'm glad if it had to benefit somebody, it was us. <laughs> but all we're going to hear for the rest of the season is five and three with an asterisk, or if we if God forbid we win the Grey Cup. Oh, you're never gonna, hearing the end of uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we've seen all the tweets where where the CFL's darling tweet or team like we like they knew today was coming or that game was coming. It's just. <laughs> I, I wish it happened to anybody else. Yeah, I, I, it's just funny that it happens to the riders because, you know, all of the controversy. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk around in the CFL revolves around the riders. You hear quite often that they're the focal point of the CFL, and anything interesting and crazy either happens to Saskatchewan or happens to Montreal, and it just so seems that this game had happened to both, right? I, I'm just going to say this is just payback for 13th, man. <laughs> Yeah, call it even. I, although I don't know if a win in Week Nine uh, equates to a Grey Cup, but I don't think so. Um, now the Riders were leading seventeen ten at that point and do get the win. Uh, let's play this out a little bit. Say the game goes on to the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, do you feel confident they would have won uh, given the way they were playing in that game? Absolutely. There's there's no question in my mind that the Riders were on their way to victory. I mean, our offense wasn't doing anything great. But their offense wasn't doing anything. And I know Schultz came in and he moved the ball a little bit and got him into field goal range. And, you know, there was some glimmer of hope. But nothing that they had done up to that point made me feel like 
they had a comeback in them. Yeah, it, it, it definitely didn't seem like it, like the offense was moving very well. I definitely were missing Vernon Adams Jr. and William Stanback, and you know you did have what two defensive touchdowns from your defense there. So, I mean, Charleston Hughes is just incredible week in and week out. It, it just amazes me some of these guys, and I'll throw John Bowman into that category. You know, they're getting up there in age for a CFL player, and what uh, Charleston Hughes has like five more sacks than the next leader in the league. It, it, it looks a lot like last season. And what I liked the most this week was, he again, he was getting pressure with three of our starting O-line or D-linemen out. And we're not talking about some, you know, depth players. It's Micah Johnson, Zach Evans, A.C. Leonard. That's three all-star defensive, ta- or defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And he was still in the backfield. So, I mean, that, that man never ceases to amaze me. Now, the Riders go into the bye week this week, as I mentioned, sitting at a 5-3 and three record after three and three quarters straight wins. Um, <laughs> you know, start of the season, Mike and I both predicted the Riders to finish last in the West, as I'm sure did a lot of people, because of primarily what we saw from the offense last year and the uncertainty with Zach Caleros at quarterback and well, he goes down week one, Cody Fajardo comes in, Zach Caleros is no longer even with the team, and uh, Fajardo's looking pretty good. Uh, are you shocked by how well he's played, or, or could you have seen this coming? I, I will eat all manner of crow on this one. When they signed Cody Fajardo, I said, why? I mean, he, he was a career backup quarterback with no real, you know, stats behind his name. I'm... If you, if you ever listen to us, I'm really hard on Chris Strebler for much the same reason. I I rag on him because he's that he's all he is is a backup with nothing behind him. Right. And when when we signed Fajardo, I said this, there's no point to this. We're we're trying to play for the future. Let's get these younger guys like Isaac Harker. I was wrong. I was very wrong. Yeah, I think we were all wrong. I don't think anybody saw him coming out uh, unseating Zach Caleros to the point where he gets traded and. I mean, like I said, four straight wins uh, that he has now led this team to, and he is the starter for the rest of the season and the foreseeable future, should he remain in the CFL, given that there are rumors of different leagues, including the NFL and the XFL, scouting him. But uh, your overall outlook on the Riders, uh, uh, right now at 5-3 and going into this bye week, is that about where you had them, or have they exceeded your expectations? Well, it depends on when you're asking. If you <laughs> if you asked me four weeks ago, there's no way I saw us at five and three. We just we our defense wasn't wasn't doing anything. Fajardo had at least come in and was performing to some extent, but we weren't we weren't looking like a good team. And then this streak happened. I mean, yes, we beat up on Toronto, BC twice, and a you know a weak Hamilton team, and now a Montreal team without their starting quarterback, starting de- or starting running back, right? Right. But they're they're still playing better than I that I would have expected given their start. I had them, I think, at eleven and seven and third, which I mean, I'd say that's still fairly realistic. They're they're probably looking at third, fourth. I don't think they're going to tank enough to finish fifth in the West. No, I I think we can rule that out for all four teams in the top four in the West right now. I think so. I think we pretty <laughs> much have our playoff picture more than. Uh, more than locked up eight weeks into the season, but I, I have no complaints this far into the year. What what I like the most is we're winning games on the back of our offense. 
which is just unimaginable if you go back to last year. And and sure, they did bring William Powell in in the offseason, which I think has been a huge help uh, to, you know, open things up for the passing game. Uh, granted, your running game was still pretty solid with Trey Mason, Marcus Thigpen last year, but how much has William Powell uh, changed the way that offense runs? I don't know that it's it's William Powell that's changed. I think it's they have faith in the young guys. I don't think they had the faith to go long with um, with Caleros or with Bridge because they didn't feel the accuracy was there. So teams didn't have to protect the deep ball. This year, Sha- Shaq Evans has, what, six 30-plus catches or 30-yard catches? Something ridiculous like that. He's up there. He's been on fire. Yeah, he's one of the top receivers. I think receivers. the difference is more... McAdoo in the offense has faith in who's behind center yeah, as I, opposed to William Powell. Although having that bruising running back who can actually break a break a touchdown can't hurt. What's your assessment of uh, Craig Dickinson's uh, tenure? As his first job as a head coach here with the Riders takes over after Chris Jones has left in the offseason. Uh, how would you assess how he's doing so far? Because we've seen some new coaches in new places, you know, Kahari Jones, uh, Dickinson there in Saskatchewan, Devon Claybrooks out in BC having varying levels of success so far. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, it looks like he's feel- getting pretty comfortable in the role. You know, he he's making... He's still making a fair amount of rookie mistakes. We saw early in the season there was a, a play that should have been challenged that he didn't have his headset on. Even last week against Montreal, he took that timeout right before the second half after Montreal took a penalty, which would have stopped the clock anyways, and burned it instead of using it on the next play, which would have given us another 20 seconds to move the ball. But overall, I, I've been impressed. I have no real major complaints. He hasn't made any glaring errors as opposed to a couple of learn-from-them errors. Right, yeah. Yeah, and you know, that's something that he's going to be able to, over time as he gets experience, get a little more comfortable with there. Uh, The Riders currently sit tied in that log jam for second place in the West Division at 5-3 and with the Eskimos and the Stampeders. Uh, on the bye week this week, uh, looking at the schedule going forward for the Riders, you've got, uh, you, I believe it's Ottawa coming out of the bye week, then two games against Winnipeg, as usual, and then Montreal again after that. Um, big two games with the Bombers here. Granted, they play later in the year, so this won't won't necessarily potentially decide the season series this early on, but uh, what do you make of the upcoming matchups with Winnipeg? I mean, you can pretty much mark Labor Day down as a win. <laughs> just what happens every year. It doesn't matter how these teams go into it. I can't deny but it. I I mean, yes, Winnipeg will win the odd one, and they could win this year. But for some reason, what is it, 14 of the last 15? Uh, I stopped counting. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why. You know, some you can attribute to fans, but a lot of it is just that day. And there's been a lot of good bomber teams that have lost. I am not sold on Winnipeg. I think they're probably the most well-rounded team in the league right now. But this year, I don't think that's saying much. No, no, it's definitely not. I, I don't know if I'm sold particularly on any team through eight weeks of the season. Or I and, guess and, that's just, and Winnipeg lost to Toronto. Yeah, thanks for reminding and, me. And they turned around and beat Calgary. Oh, like, thanks for reminding team, me. But what team shows up is, is whether or not they, they have a chance to win that game. Absolutely. And, and so I think... I think they're the best team in the league right now. Right. And that hurts to say. <laughs> Can you say it again? 
I will not. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a recording of it now. So. Yes, perfect. Yeah. So just replay it, replay it over and over every week. I uh, know I won't. I won't abuse the audio <laughs> clip there. Um, talk a little bit CFL fantasy because, of course, you are participating in the CF Pod Network Fantasy League and. Well, it just so happens we're going against one another this week, so I won't make you reveal your picks because, um, well, I want a fair matchup here and looking forward to the rematch this week. But uh, talk a little bit about the Riders uh, when it comes to CFL Fantasy. Can't pick any of them this week because they're on a bye, but are there any Riders particularly that you almost have as a must put in your lineup every week? You know, Shaq Evans tops that list right now. He's He's still relatively cheap, all things considered. For a guy who's what second in the league in receiving yards, he he would be the number one must have if you're going to put a rider on your roster. Their defense is finally rounding into shape, and we all know the difference between the low end and a top end defense is what a thousand bucks on on CFL TSN, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, they, they're they're performing up to where they should. Beyond beyond that, they're really hit or miss. They go. There's no one guy that seems to stand out, and the one guy that does is getting to be too expensive in William Powell. I took him pretty much every week this year, especially with all the injuries we've seen across the league at the running back spot. But he's he's upwards of nine, ten grand now, and you know it's hard it's hard to fit a guy like that in your lineup. Yeah, I actually was thinking about this. I don't know if I've picked a single rider all year, and clearly I'm missing out because their offense is getting it done. So that's that's one of those things. Yeah, I I don't think I've picked one all year, but and you know maybe I'll have to pick Shaq Evans when he comes out of the bye week, uh, just based on your advice, and we'll see how that goes there. But uh, yeah, uh, any plans for the bye week? Uh, do you think for the Riders to make any changes of any sort? I don't see why they would after four straight games, but uh, you know bye week's a time to tinker a little. I I don't see a lot of wholesale changes. I I am hoping we see some uh, some healthy returns. We've uh... We're still hurting on the O-line. It's getting better, but I would love to see uh, Brendan Labatt back. And, uh, of course, the D-line with uh, Johnson, Evans, and and Leonard all all injured. And Evan, we know uh, we know Zach Evans is out for a while. He's on the sixth game. Right. I believe Leonard is too, but we know nothing about what happened to him other than he tweaked something at practice. So I'm hoping that bye week does him so good. Those are the two spots we could really use it. The rest of the roster is more or less... Uh, set unless we can get Williams Lambert back from the NFL right yeah and that should be an interesting thing too in the next couple of weeks is there's a lot of guys that went to the NFL this year and it remains to be seen you know how many of them stick there how many of them come back and where they land just based on you know salary cap in different places you look at a place like Calgary and BC who have spent a lot of money on their quarterbacks and had some big names just is it just me or is there a lot of guys that are getting real good looks down south like we're hearing a lot of positive news about Singleton, Mitchell, you know, there, there there seems to be actual, what's the word for it? Potential here for... Right, like, it's great. Yeah, I, I love to see it. Uh, uh, we saw more guys get chances to go down south, I think, year after year now, and uh, we're seeing some guys get a legitimate shot to stick it out there. Uh, you look at Brandon Zilstra uh, as an example, a guy who went there two, three years ago and hasn't come back yet. So 
Uh, I love to see it, you know, more CFL talent getting recognition in the big league down south in the NFL, and we'll we'll see how many of these guys stick and uh, how many of them uh, come back and where they all land. That's it's almost like a free agency period in itself once NFL cuts happen. It's a lot of fun to wait and wait and watch what happens. I I know we can't expect Sam McGuabin back. He's killing it down there, just like uh, Singleton is, but. Can always hope, just a little bit. Well, we here in Winnipeg don't mind if either of them stay down south. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on Singleton. All right, well, we'll wrap it up here, and we'll let you get to enjoying the rest of the bye week. But first, uh, let everybody know where they can find uh, your podcast and uh, everything else you do. Yeah, for sure. You You can find us online pretty much anywhere you search for podcasts, including Spotify, Google Play, all those things. I just search for Pipples Podcast. We're on Twitter, at Pipples Pod. Well, oh, we have a website, www.pipplespodcast.com. We're trying to put up uh, articles every day. Perfect. And uh, if people want to get more of your thoughts on Twitter, uh, where they where can they find you? If they're looking for me, they should probably just delete their Twitter. <laughs> but no, you can find me at Safamod. That's S-A-F-I-M-O-D. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to join me tonight. Uh, like I said, enjoy the bye week and uh, best of luck in our CFPN fantasy matchup this week. <laughs> and good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you to Steve from the Piffles Podcast for joining us here to talk a little bit of riders uh, here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, make sure you check out the Piffles Podcast and all the other members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network at cfpodnetwork.ca and at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, lots of great content uh, around the league, covering around the league from the members of the CF Pod Network. Uh, well, we're pa- already past the uh, midway point of the third quarter of this podcast. So uh, by CFL rules, the game is now official. So uh, I think we'll call it a day here, Mike. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and have a wonder. Uh, uh, oh, wait, we don't have to abide by such ridiculous rules. So, uh, we got Mike's power rankings, we got CFL Fantasy, we got CFL Pick'em to do here yet in the final minutes of the show. So, Mike, take it away with a brief edition of the power rankings. All right, brief edition of the power rankings. Number one overall, despite losing their quarterback, but picking up a big win this past week, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are number one in my, uh, uh, sorry, number one in my Today Football Countdown power rankings. Uh, number two uh, will be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at 6-2 by virtue of their big victory over the Calgary Stampeders. Number three will be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, winners of four in a row. And it really looked like their season could have gone off the rails, but a back-to-back sweep of the BC Lions and two other victories have them in the conversation at uh, f- five and three. And number four on the, on our power ranking, or my power rankings anyway, will be the Calgary Stampede. They're looking to get a shot in the arm despite being five and three. I didn't believe I met so bad this week that according to sources, barring a major setback, believe I met will be back behind center this week. Uh, so Calgary will be getting a shot in the arm, uh, with that. And number five yep. will be the Edmonton Eskimos at five and three. Just a little bit of inconsistency uh, in the Eskimos game, but they're finding a way to get it done. CJ Dable has another 100-yard game. 
And uh, Trevor Harris is a lot like Matt Nichols. He's not turning the ball over, not allowing the Eskimos uh, to win games despite not being pretty. Uh, number six for me will be the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Not too sure, pardon me, the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, despite a loss to the, uh, despite a loss to the Saskatchewan Roughriders in a rain shortened team, a weather shortened team, uh, that doesn't, uh, involve too many, I mean, I guess it's not their fault that they lost, kind of a shortened team, but they were able to put themselves while I fought in that 17 to 10, uh, loss. And number seven, will be the Ottawa Red Blasts. Just when it looked like their season was teetering to the brink of basically falling off a cliff, they've stabilized themselves and gotten themselves back in the race a half game behind the Montreal West, and that is only uh, by virtue of having played one fewer game, uh, sorry, one more game in Montreal. Technically, isn't it like a quarter game back, though, now, because Montreal well, didn't play a full game this week? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know, but for all intents and purposes, it was a full game. All the stats count and all that, but I, I get what you're saying. Uh, and then, this is an interesting one for me. I want to put Toronto at 1-6, and six, number 8. Remains unchanged, uh, despite uh, Toronto did have the bye last week, so I want to see more importantly from Toronto, who comes out as their number one quarterback uh, this week? No indication as of yet who that will be. I imagine it will be McLeod Bethel Thompson after he got the win. They, yeah. It would be absurd if it wasn't. But anyway, that will put them at number eight and number nine, the BC Lions. And we did not get a chance to talk about this, but they blew yet another fourth quarter lead. And this one, to me, hurts the most uh, in total control of this game and... Uh, I don't know, the 18-wheeler fell off the track, and uh, Hamilton was able to come back and win by a point. I still don't know how they how they blew it. Yeah, and perhaps we'll talk a little more Lions, Ticats uh, on next week's episode of the podcast, but let's round the show out with, like usual, CFL Fantasy, CFL Pick'em, uh, CF Pod Network Fantasy Challenge. I picked up another win this week uh, with 73.7 points beating Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast, which I locked myself into a win. Uh, he, As he said on Twitter, he had Kenny Stafford in his lineup, uh, ended up uh, going uh, somewhere where he didn't have internet connection on the day of the game and was not able to switch him out, so took the zero from that. Plus, it was a bad week for everybody all around with the shortened game, the injury to Romar Morris, but I do pick up the win. I do improve 6-3 and three and have sole possession of second place in the league thanks to a tie between Brian from the Lions Den and Ryan from Horseman Radio. Uh, follow along at CF Pod Network on Twitter for everything to do with CFPN Fantasy Challenge. As mentioned, I am up against Safamod this week. Uh, Steve, who you just heard on the podcast a little bit ago. Uh, should be a great matchup as everybody's played each other once now, and we now revert back to the start of the schedule and play each other in rematches. In our fantasy challenge this week, I put up 146.12 points. Uh, was looking dicey early in the week, but I picked things up late thanks to Brandon Banks, thanks to Mike Riley, a couple big games from those guys. But Mike, you did beat me, I believe, for the third week in a row. 165.82 points for yourself. Uh, the big one was for you 
was definitely uh, Brian Burnham, who had a monster game for the BC Lions, was probably most likely, uh, yes, your biggest contributor this week. You had a couple other guys who put up over 10 points as well. Uh, overall totals on the year, 1278.88 for you. Uh, 13.04.94 for me. So I'm still slightly ahead, but Mike, you have gained ground very quickly. Uh, trades for the week, you still get to make them first if you have it. Yeah, and um, my trades, I'm dropping the injured Josh and Jeff Cole picking up Marcus Sales, dropping Nick Shortle, and uh, picking up uh, Leonard. Put his first name. Weren't you picking up Jagarrett Davis? Oh, yes, Jagarrett Davis. I was bouncing back and forth between uh, Leonard and Davis. I did pick up Jagarrett Davis. Okay, okay. Just just confirming because yeah. you sent me both and you were wavering back and forth. So yeah, no, Jagarrett no, Davis. It's going to be Davis, the, uh, I believe, the former Stampeder. Yes. So I like what he's doing. And uh, Ned Short will have a bit of a reduced role with the uh, – Impending or the already return of Simone Lawrence. I need to get back into the win column this week, so I've had Sean Thomas Erlington sitting on my injured, uh, the injured Sean Thomas Erlington sitting on my roster for one, two, three, four, five, six weeks now. Have not heard an injury update related to him in that span at all. Um, I can't afford to wait much longer here, so I will finally drop Sean Thomas Erlington and. Uh, there's not too many running backs out there that interest me right now, but when this guy does get utilized properly, he has a big game. So I will pick up the guy you dropped a couple weeks ago and add John White to my lineup. Uh, he had a huge game this week for the BC Lions. Yeah, I like that move. Uh, I think I will stand pat with other trades for now. I do have a couple wide receivers in Luke Tasker and Brad Sinopoli that are heavily underutilized by their teams right now, but... We, we've taken most of the good options out there, so I, 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 these guys will break out one of these days. I truly believe in it. And they will leave you with a big smile with me with a big sad face. Uh, CFL Pick'em last week. Uh, oh, boy, this is interesting to explain because if you listen to the podcast, uh, I took the Calgary Peters, I took the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, I switched both of those picks. Uh, at the last minute, I ended up taking the Bombers due to thinking Calgary on a short week. I ended up taking the Alouettes due to thinking Saskatchewan's basically entire defensive line was out this week. Um, so with those switches, I do end up going three and one. Uh, Mike, you went one and three on the week uh, due to your bizarre picks of a trade uh, of a tie between Edmonton and Ottawa, which did not come to fruition. And uh, I'll hand it to you. BC was close. BC over Hamilton was close. It should have happened. I'm not happy that 18 Wheeler went off the tracks. Thank you, Devon Claybrooks. <laughs> By the way, they'd be over 500 at four and three if they held all the leads they had in the fourth quarter. If you can believe it. Sounds like a Bombers team from a couple years ago, don't it? For sure. Uh, let's get into Week 10 picks. We are into Week 10 already. Can you believe it? We are at the midway point of the season somewhat. It, there is no real midway point. I guess it's after the first two games of this week because it's 21-week season. I don't know. We will be doing mid-season uh, review and awards in the next couple weeks on the podcast, so look forward to that. Uh, week 10 kicks off Thursday night, Invest, uh, or sorry, as it's now called, IG Field. Uh, Winnipeg hosting BC. You can go first. 
Went up ahead and light a fire under me and make me regret this PC. Okay, I will take the Bombers. Um, you know, last week I said I was picking Calgary and it changed to Winnipeg. So I've picked Winnipeg every game this year. Uh, I guess I'll just continue to do so right now because I like Winnipeg a lot better. A lot more than I like BC now. And while Mike Riley, once, with the way he got hammered yet again and how much he was hobbling around. Apparently he was fine at practice this morning. I find that real. I don't know how long that's going to last. I hope I hope he's good to go, but uh, I think the defense. Goodness, line, did he get hit? I think Bombers' defensive line is going to get to him pretty pretty good here. Uh, second game of the week has uh, the Toronto Argonauts hosting the Eskimos. Go back to two weeks ago. Edmonton shuts out Toronto twenty six nothing. Where are you going with this pick? Yeah, I. Despite them being such a quick little flip-flop. It's not a bat-to-bat, but it's as close as it did to a bat-to-bat, and I just have not seen it in L.A. From the Ardo, despite their momentum that they gained, I'm going to say the first time is a fluke, so I call the... I'm calling an optimal win, and I don't think this will be close. I am making this pick solely to suit my narrative that the Argos are going to make the playoffs in 2019, which, by the way... Montreal lost, Ottawa lost, pretty good bye week for the Argos. I'm taking the Argos to beat the Eskimos. The Eskimos offense, despite how well C.J. Gable played, did not get a whole lot done uh, in putting up points on the board. I don't know, Argos off the bye week, why the heck not? Uh, Third game of the week has Ottawa and Hamilton in Ottawa. Uh, I will take Hamilton in this one. I give Ottawa credit. They're gutsy. They're scrappy. They fought their way to the end of a lot of games this season, but they just can't get it done, it seems. So yeah, I'm taking Hamilton. They can't get it done. So uh, I'm taking the Ticats. Yeah, there's kind of paraphrasing what Red Campbell said. You know, we're close, we're good, but we just can't finish when the talents and uh, Hamilton pulls this one off. But it's a close one. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and then final game of the week has Calgary hosting Montreal, the Likely return of Bowie by Mitchell in Calgary. Look, I love Montreal, but who knows if Vernon Adams is playing quite yet. Who knows if William Stanback is playing this week. Bowie by Mitchell's coming back. Granted, Montreal always gives Calgary fits, but I'm taking the Stampeders at home. Yeah, I see the Stampeders at home, too, and I've been uh, covered by more than two touchdowns. All right, that does it for this week on the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on all the podcast platforms. Leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening there. It just helps grow the show a little bit. And make sure you share the show. Uh, check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork for the rest of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And make sure you check out the Piffles Podcast. Thank you to Steve for joining us to talk some riders beforehand. And we'll be back next week. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week and pray for no weather delays.